Well, good morning. Good to see you guys here today. We are in part five of our sermon series entitled Make It Count. Uh, the, the idea for us is we don't want to waste our life. We want to, in fact, make our life count. And today I want us to talk and think through how we can leave a lasting legacy. So if you have your Bibles, let's go to Matthew chapter 25. And, and then uh, we're also going to be in 2 Corinthians 9 today. Uh, so you can kind of find your place and get ready to go. Uh, when my kids were little and we would go on vacation, we'd go to the beach and um, they used to love making sandcastles as little kids. And, and so they would spend hours, you know, making these sandcastles and, and uh, you know, stacking them up on different levels and then finding shells to kind of decorate the walls, you know, and, and then you dig the moat around the, the sandcastle and try to fill it up with water. And, and uh, they used to love that. They'd spend hours uh, doing that. And then it'd be dinner time. We'd go inside, you know, go to bed. That next morning, the kids would run outside and what were they hoping to find? They were hoping to find uh, all of their hard work still sitting there on the beach, but you know what happens. Uh, The tide comes up, uh, especially on the East Coast where we would go and and, uh, every single night the the waves would come up and just destroy whatever uh, was there and take it away. And so it was hard for kids at that moment, you know, to really kind of learn this lesson that sandcastles aren't permanent. Sandcastles are going to fall away, the tide is going to take them away, the water is going to come up, and everything that you worked on uh, is going to be gone. Now, the sad reality is that there are a lot of adults who still haven't learned that lesson. I see so many people working nonstop, you know, busy and uh, dedicating time to hobbies and and, uh, distracted by business and building a net worth and you know, we've, we tend to forget that much of what we build in this life will not last. It's just not permanent. And so it's going to wash away just like a sandcastle. And if we truly want to build something that we hope and desire and want to actually last, we're going to have to start thinking through our spiritual legacy. We're going to have to start thinking through this lens of, 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 of how can I build, what do I build, where do I spend my time so that my effort, my energy, my life uh, doesn't just get washed away, but that I leave a mark and and that that I leave an actual legacy. And so uh, we want to think through and dial in on that this morning. How can you and I leave a lasting legacy? And the best place to start is with Jesus. I mean, obviously, he left the most amazing and most significant uh, legacy of all time. And so when we look at his life, we see how he created a legacy. We see what he focused on. And in Matthew 20, we have this really uh, bizarre kind of story. Uh, I guess it's not too bizarre because we see it all the time, uh, but you kind of see those overprotective helicopter moms at school and, 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 and you know, maybe they're, they're trying to, you know, brown nose at school or brown nose whoever the coach to try to get, you know, something from uh, this person, you know, for their kids. And in Matthew 20, you have uh, this, this kind of scenario happen. You, you've heard of James and John. They're called the sons of Zebedee. And uh, their mother goes up to Jesus one day and says, Jesus, uh, can you allow my sons, James and John, one to sit on your right hand and one to sit on your left hand in your kingdom when it comes into fruition? And Jesus is like, you don't even know what you're asking for, right? You don't don't even know what 
you, you know, th- this really means. And so what Jesus does here is he takes this opportunity to teach a really powerful, important lesson like he often does. Um, James and John, uh, their, their mother was focused on position. Their, their mother was focused on recognition and, and focused on power. And Jesus turns the whole concept upside down like he normally does. And he says, if you want to be great, it's not who sits on my right. It's not a position of power. It, it, it's, it, it's not uh, how much authority I give to you. No, he says, if you want to be great, you'll become a servant. And Jesus says, this is what I've done. And so in Matthew 20, this one verse, verse 28, he says, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so Jesus's focus here uh, is, is, is on two things. We see that he came to serve and he came to give. And while so many of us, like uh, the mother of James and, and John here, want to focus on our position, want to focus on recognition, want to focus on you know, becoming great in the eyes of you know, um, popular culture, Jesus says, if you want to truly be great, you'll learn to do two things. You'll learn to serve. Your life will be about serving and your life will be about giving. And so I want us to unpack that today because I I feel like so many of us are focusing on, you know, getting our kids to college or focusing on our hobby or building our net worth or trying to get the next big job or promotion. And we're focusing so heavily on these things. And what we do is we just end up living our life to kind of serve ourselves, you know, maybe to serve our family, but most of all, it, it's about ourselves. And the most unhappy people in the room today or watching from home today are those people who only focus on themselves. Selfish people are miserable people. Selfish people are, are, are the exact opposite of what Jesus teaches us on, on how to live, and especially if we want to live a life that actually leaves a lasting legacy. And so I wanna share three ways, based on this verse and a few others, uh, three ways that you and I can actually leave a lasting legacy and get our focus on uh, Jesus's mentality when it comes to what it really means to be great in his eyes. And so the first thing, if you're taking notes, is this, we wanna live a life filled with ministry, filled with ministry. So Jesus says that he didn't come to be served. He came actually to serve, right? That was his mentality. And we live, uh, again, we live in a me-centered culture. We live in a culture that is really all about serving me and my needs and taking care of what I want. The focus is always on I, I, I. And Jesus says, if you want to live a life that leaves an actual legacy, it's gonna be filled with ministry, now, in Matthew chapter five, we started with this series with Matthew 25, and it's kind of been our, our theme verse for this whole series. And so the concept in Matthew 25 was this parable that Jesus taught, and he's outlining what it's gonna look like at the, at the end of the age. And so at the end of the age, he's gonna separate all humanity into two groups, just like a shepherd would separate his uh, sheep from his goats, right? And so the, the determining factor of that separation was, was faith in Jesus, we know that clear in the scripture, but in the parable, his point is as I'm separating these two groups, the one thing that I'm looking at and I know who actually has faith in me are those who are characterized by a life of ministry. 
And he actually goes into six very specific and basic needs of all humanity. And he's essentially saying, my followers will serve each other in these six ways. Some of those ways, it was those who are thirsty, we give them something to drink. I was hungry and you gave me some food. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. So these six areas, very clear, very specific. And so as a church, you know, moving forward this year, our heart is that we want to develop uh, these six ministries. We have many ministries that fall into these categories. We want to develop them. We want to grow them. And we want to give you the opportunity to actually live a life of ministry where you can stay. You know what? Uh, as I did it unto the least of these, I did it unto the Lord. Right? And so one of the areas that we have identified as just something that we just don't have here yet is prison ministry. And so that's one area that, that we want to focus on and we want to create here at FC. And so all of these things, as we develop, as we grow, it's going to require you. It's going to require those in the room, those watching at home today who are saying, I want to live a life of ministry that's filled with ministry. Because at the end of the day, I want what Jesus says in Matthew 25. At the end of the day, he says, I want you to enter into the joy of your master. Remember how he closed the parable. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. I mean, I, I hope that this verse right here is what you want to hear. I mean, that's what I want to hear. As a church, I want to hear uh, God speak to us in, these, uh, in this manner. I want to hear God say, well done, Trent. Like, you know, you were a good and faithful servant. Now, I want my wife and my kids to remember me and to talk well about me. But the most important person, uh, the, the, the most important words that you will ever hear, that I will ever hear, what really matters is what does Jesus think of us? What did Jesus think of our life? What, what, did, what did we do that impacted his kingdom? The, that's going to be the question. You know, your kids may love you. Your kids may think you're the greatest dad in the history of the world. But what does God think of you? What does he think about your life? Because that's what's gonna matter. And that opinion isn't gonna last two years or even 2,000 years. It's gonna last for all eternity. So the kind of legacy that we want, that we desire, is the one where God would say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. Now I will, I will put you in charge of many things. So essentially this life is really a test. How are we gonna live it? And how are we gonna live it? And so you've been faithful with this. In other words, he says, you've been a good steward. You've managed your time, your talents, your resources well, your treasures well. And he's saying, I can trust you uh, with more responsibility because of how you lived your life. So come enjoy your master's happiness. Now, as we think about ministry, we, we have to sit back and realize that COVID has you know, changed a lot, right? COVID has disrupted us. And, and, and I think COVID has reminded us essentially how fragile life is. 
And um, for those of you who might be watching from home, you're, you're engaging from, from online, and I'm so glad that you are for whatever reasons, uh, maybe health reasons, maybe work reasons. You said, you know what, at this time, we're going to stay at home and, and, and engage. I'm so glad that you are. I want to encourage you, stay connected. This is one of those seasons, one of those times where, you know, you might feel a little disconnected. You're not in the hallways talking to me and talking to the other members and you're not talking to some of the other pastors. And so that, that tendency to, to not feel connected might kind of uh, be there for you. But that's why small groups, you know, we've been preaching that for so long, are so important. It's why if you're in one, your small group leader's been reaching out to you and texting you and calling you and emailing you. If you're serving in a ministry, one of our team leaders has been reaching out to you. Why? Because we want you to feel connected we want you to understand and know that, that we, in fact, you know, care about you. And, and uh, we want you during this time to feel that connection. But relationships are always a two-way street, aren't they? It's not just one-sided. So we want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Make sure you're reaching out to your team leader and your small group members and your small group leader, checking in on them. Be a leader. Don't just wait around for people to contact you and reach out to you. It's, it's on you, right? to be able to reach out to other people and be able to connect with them. You might uh, be kind of hearing this uh, series and, and uh, you might even be in the room thinking some of this stuff. You might be thinking, are you, are you sure you wanna encourage people to do ministry during this pandemic? Do we really wanna start a new location during a pandemic? Do we really wanna you know, ask people to give to a vision offering during this pandemic? Do we really wanna start, uh, in, in, in fact, uh, a renovation during this pandemic? And I want everybody to hear me clearly. The moment that we're in won't stop the mission that we're on. The moment that we are in right now cannot, will not stop the mission that you and I are on. Despite what we're going through, Despite the pandemic, despite financial issues, despite suffering, despite whatever it is that you and I are facing, we want to come to the point to where we hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. I want him to say, well done, Trent, during the pandemic. Well done, Trent, during the suffering. Well done during the, the, the success when things didn't look so good. Whatever situation, whatever moment you find yourself in today, the idea for you and I is that we want to be found faithful in the moment that God has called us to. And whatever moment you're in, it cannot stop the mission that we are on. So even if you might feel a little disconnected, um, maybe because you're at home or maybe because you haven't been able to be here as much as you would like, the reality is what we have to be aware of during this season, political division, pandemic, all the things happening, is that we begin to get focused and dialed in on these side issues and we forget about the main reason, the main purpose that God has called us to and we can easily become inward focused. We become inward focused as a church, we can become inward focused as a follower of Jesus and only worry about what I need and only worry about what I want. And why is anybody doing this for who? For me, right? And the more that we do that, 
the more we do the exact opposite of what Jesus says a lasting legacy is needed and, and what is required to do that, which is to live a life of ministry. Listen, ministry didn't stop in Europe during the plague. Ministry didn't stop during World War I or II or any of the wars for that matter. Ministry didn't stop during 9-11. And ministry cannot stop in 2020 because of this pandemic. Uh, obviously, uh, we're a little displaced, but what we wanna do is we wanna create uh, ways for you to pa- practically serve. And so whether you're at home or, or you're in the room, next Sunday is a practical way for you to actually serve our community. Second Harvest Food Bank reached out to us and said, hey, you know, we're low on food. There's been a lot of need in the area during this thing, and so we're low. And so uh, we decided on the 13th of December to, to ask you to bring food to help you know, stock up that food pantry um, at Second Harvest. And so we've been telling our kids ministry and all of our kids about this and getting them excited. Why? Because when we give to the vision offering on that day, we want to also teach our kids how to be generous. And so we're encouraging our kids ministry and all of our kids to bring in food. We're encouraging you to bring in food. That's next Sunday. And uh, you'll be able to uh, deliver that. And if you want to know specific ways to give, you can go to the website. Uh, Specifically, it will tell you what we need. So that is next Sunday, a practical way uh, to feed those who are hungry next Sunday. So if we want to leave a lasting legacy, it starts with a life filled with ministry. And then secondly, here, <clears throat> excuse me, secondly, if we want to leave a legacy, we're going to live a life filled with actually sharing the gospel, sharing the gospel. In, in, in verse 28, Jesus said that he gave his life as a ransom for many. So what Jesus is teaching us here is he's saying, I'm giving, and he's actually giving his life as a ransom. In other words, he redeemed you. He redeemed me. This, this is uh, this idea that Jesus is buying you back, buying you back from sin. How does he do that? Well, he dies on the cross, taking your place, taking my place. He rose from the grave and he paid for our salvation by doing that. And so for you and I, we were born sinners. We didn't have hope. We weren't gonna leave a life of legacy. We weren't gonna make anything count. We were hopeless. We were filled with sin. We were destined for hell. But when we heard the gospel, when we heard the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, we heard that story. Not only a story, but we heard that truth. The Holy Spirit sparked in our heart this this desire to put our faith and trust in Christ. When we did that, God reconciled us to himself. When we experienced that, we experienced a life-to-death moment. We were dead in our sins. Now we were alive in Christ. Now we have hope. Now we have peace. Now we have joy. That's the good news. And so those who have experienced the good news have a desire to share that good news. And if you wanna leave a lasting legacy, we're gonna have to learn how to share that good news with other people. I mean, think about it. We, we wanna not just serve people, we wanna serve in the name of Jesus. We don't wanna just you know, be nice to people. We wanna be nice and genuine to people in the name of Jesus. Back in the 90s, this trend in churches of this just kind of random acts of kindness started to gain traction. And so there was something that churches would call a rake and run. And maybe you've heard of this, but back in that day, you know, that everybody would load into the church van 
And it was usually in the fall when the leaves had fallen in people's yards. And then they'd pull up to somebody's yard. Uh, they would jump out with all their rakes. They'd rake the yard up, put it in bags and quickly as they could and jump back in the van and, and off they'd go, they'd leave. And it was a rake and run, right? We just want to serve in practical ways and we don't want any recognition. And so kind of sounds like an idea, but it also sounds kind of dumb to me because when I read the Bible, especially in Romans 10, Paul is talking about those who are far, far from God. And he says, how can they know unless someone tells them about Jesus? In fact, he says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. And so I, I wanna serve, I don't want recognition, but I also wanna be willing to say, here's why I'm serving. I'm serving you because Christ loved me a sinner and he loves you too. And here's, here's how you can have a relationship with him. You know, in our friendships, in our, in our family, we don't wanna just be family members. We wanna be followers of Jesus that are willing to actually share the truth that has changed our life. Now this makes the gospel personal. It takes the gospel from just something that I know or I've heard about. It takes the gospel from something that I say I believe in and it makes it personal. It makes it real. It helps me to see through the lens of, I wonder if this person is dying and going to hell. I wonder if this person has ever heard the gospel before. I wonder if they're confused. I wonder if they have hope. I wonder if they're lost. And it makes it personal that now that when I invite a friend over for dinner, as we talk, I can freely ask questions about, well, where do you think you're gonna go when you die? How are you gonna make your life count? And, and because you're already friends, because there's a relationship there, they're more willing to understand and listen to this gospel message, message that you're, you're, you know so well. So for every single person who calls themselves a follower of Jesus, it is so vitally important that we actually share this gospel. How could we go our entire life as followers of Jesus, some Christians, 20, 30 years of their life, and never share the gospel with anyone? That's a tragedy. If we wanna make our life count, if we wanna feel alive, then I dare you to share the death, burial, and resurrection with somebody this week. You wanna come alive, you wanna light the spirit of Christ inside of you, Tell somebody about the gospel. Tell somebody about your story, how God saved you, right? No matter what story God has given to you, share that with someone and watch how the spirit makes you come alive. I love what Paul says in Acts 20. In fact, I love it, but it also punches me right between the eyes. In Acts chapter 20, verse 24, Paul says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given to me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now think about that for a minute. Let's think about it. Have we come to a place in our life where we have said my life is worth nothing to me? I'll be honest, I'll, I struggle with that. My life is worth nothing to me. The only thing that is important to me, my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task. And what is that task? to testify to the good news of God's grace. Have you, have you ever even come close to that? Have we, have we as followers of Jesus even wrestled with this? Especially in our culture today, which is me, 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 me. Have we sat down to say, maybe this concept of living a safe, secure, comfortable life isn't necessarily a biblical calling in life. 
Have we ever sat down to think maybe God might be calling me out of my safety, out of my comfort, why? To take this gospel to a people who have never heard. Have we ever sat back to say, maybe Jesus is asking me to risk my health to share with those who might be sick? Maybe Jesus is asking you to move out of that comfort zone or to risk your reputation. You might lose your job. Paul would say, great, because your life isn't worth anything anyway. The only thing that matters is the task during this short life of testifying to the good news. Paul would say, my life is nothing. And if our desire for safety is ruling our heart, then may God have mercy on our soul today. Because the desire for safety cannot rule our heart today. Jesus must rule our heart. Now, not everybody is gonna, you know, preach like me or be in full-time ministry, but every follower of Jesus should know how to share the gospel. Every parent should know how to tell their kids how to receive Jesus into their life. Every small group leader, every, every follower of Jesus. Listen, this is, the, this is the story that changed your life. If we really believe it, why wouldn't we be willing to share it? And so for us, we wanna help you. We wanna give you a practical way to make it personal. Uh, make it personal, and, and, and that is to uh, give you an opportunity to learn this coming Wednesday night at 6.30, right here at FC, uh, a tool that you can say and that you can use that you don't even have to memorize. A lot of old ways was a lot of memorization. Really, you don't have to memorize much at all. There's actually an app, and, and we're actually going to walk you through how you can share the gospel with a friend, with a parent, with a child, with somebody in your small group. I mean, every single one of us should be able to take that step to say, you know what, I, I maybe haven't done it. Maybe I'm nervous. Maybe I'm nervous because I've never been taught how to do it. So this Wednesday, we're gonna give you that opportunity. In fact, you can scan the little barcode in front of you. It'll take you to the site where you can register to be here this Wednesday night. Every single person needs to be able to do that, right? So if we wanna leave a, a, a legacy, a lasting legacy, it'll be filled was sharing the gospel. And then finally, if we wanna leave a lasting legacy, it's gonna be a life filled with generosity, filled with generosity. If you've got your Bibles, flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter nine here. Let's read just a few more verses as we kind of land the plane. Live a life of generosity. Here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians nine, verse six. He says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So let's break this down, a few verses here. First thing, <clears throat> verse Six teaches us that your giving is actually an investment, not an expense, right? So in verse six, he says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So your giving is an investment, not an expense. Um, when, you, when you think about 
you know, giving to God's church or giving to God's kingdom, a lot of people view it as an expense every month, right? But it's not an expense. It's actually an investment that you make. And so an expense is paying taxes and paying your utility bill. But when I give to God, it has a purpose and it's going to bless you. And so I come with this attitude that, that this is an investment into God's kingdom. Now, a lot of uh, farming uh, type uh, harvest principles here that we wanna talk about. My, my grandfather was a farmer in uh, Columbus, Ohio. It was actually right outside of the city in a, in a city called Grove City and he had over 100 acres. And we would go visit him and as far as the eye could see would be rows and rows and rows of, of corn. And, and uh, they, would, they would harvest that corn. They put it in one of those big silos. And as a kid, I just remember jumping in the corn and playing all day and, and uh, just having a ball. And he understood this. In fact, every farmer really uh, can begin to understand this, that you will reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. Now, when it comes to verses like this, I always have to kind of put a caveat because we've all seen preachers on TV or we've heard people talk about what, what we call a prosperity gospel. And the prosperity gospel is a false gospel. And it says that if you give to God, then God will give you whatever it is that, that you want, right? And so God's kind of like a slot machine. That's a false gospel. That's not what he's teaching here. And so we wanna, we wanna uncover those lies, but we also don't wanna miss the actual truth of God's word when it comes to these harvest principles. So we don't wanna allow these negative feelings to manipulate us. God is clear here. He clearly teaches us several things that we wanna unpack. And the first thing I would say is that whatever you sow, you're going to get back, right? That's a, that's a farming principle, but it's also a gospel principle that whatever you sow, you're gonna get back. So if you put a, a, a tomato seed in the ground, a tomato plant is gonna grow. You're not gonna get a pear tree uh, from a tomato seed. That's just not how it works. If you, uh, then, then, then it can be go, go into other areas of life. So if you sow negativity, you're gonna get negative people in your life and around you. If you sow gossip, then, then people are gonna gossip about you. If you sow generosity, then God is gonna be generous with you. Second law of the harvest is that you'll get more back than what you put in. You'll get more back than what you put in. Think about it. You put one kernel of corn into the ground, one seed into the ground, a whole plant is gonna grow and many ears of corn are gonna be produced from that one seed. You're, you're gonna get more back than what you put in. Put a tomato seed into the ground, that tomato plant's gonna grow, you're gonna get several tomatoes, right? You always get more back than what you put in. Thirdly, you're gonna reap in a different season than the one that you sow in. That makes sense to us. If you put corn in the ground in the summer, you're, you're not gonna immediately see that crop uh, begin to produce corn. It's gonna uh, come in a different season, right? And so I might give, I might plant in one season, uh, but if I try to dig that up a week later, I'm gonna ruin it. I'm gonna kill the plant. I've got, the, I've got to let, it, let the process play out. I've got to let it, let it grow. Uh, you plant in one season, you're gonna reap in another season. Now, parents know this, and we have to know this, and we have to remind ourselves of this concept because when our kids are little, we plant gospel seeds, right? We, we teach godly virtues, love for Jesus. We sow character. And then our kids go through many stages in life. They go through many seasons in life. And some of those seasons, you stand back and you go, did I do anything right? <laughs> Is there anything going the way that we thought it was gonna go? And then you come back to the, the law of the harvest. 
You're, you're going to reap a harvest in a different season. You were planning and you have planted and you're going to reap that in a different harvest. And so what do you do in that negative season? Well, you keep tending the plant. You keep watering the plant, right? You keep pulling the weeds out and caring for, for the plant. You keep nourishing that plant. And one day you will see uh, 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 it produce fruit. True generosity is, is this mentality and idea that it's really an investment, it's not an expense. But then secondly, he teaches us in verse seven uh, that we need to give with enthusiasm, not out of guilt. Why? Because God loves what kind of a giver? A cheerful giver. God desires you and I to be cheerful givers, not negative, reluctant givers. He wants us to be enthusiastic about actually giving to his gospel and to his mission. I don't think it happens much anymore, but used to on Saturday morning, sometimes you'd get a knock on your door. You know, the doorbell would ring. And it'd be some cute little kid out there uh, selling uh, candy bars to, for a fundraiser. And so you're thinking in your head, you're thinking, I do not want to buy some cheap, disgusting candy bar, you know, from this kid. Like I could go to the grocery store and buy some good ones. Why would I buy a disgusting one off brand from you, right? But what do you do? Oh, sure, we'll buy, you know, and so you buy. You buy because you're afraid this cute little kid is gonna start crying on your front porch and you don't wanna see that. So what do we do? We give out of guilt. God says, don't give that way. Don't give out of guilt. Give with enthusiasm. When it comes to giving to God and, and you're struggling with that, you say, God, make me a cheerful giver. Help me to be enthusiastic about being generous. Why? Because I wanna trust you with my resources. I wanna trust you with money, God. Right now, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm trusting myself and I just want everything for, for myself. And, and I see that leading to a lot of selfishness and a lot of unhappiness in my life and, and a lot of discontentment in my life. So God, I wanna be a cheerful giver. What do we do? We're gonna give to God's church. Why? We trust God's church. We trust that God is working and he obviously is. And we say, we're gonna, we're gonna give with a cheerful heart. Now, some of you invest in the stock market. I, I love to, to, to do that. I, I like to invest in options. And so every time when I'm, I'm setting targets, I'm buying this option and I'm setting the target to sell it this day at this time and at this price. And uh, I hit send and it goes off into the stratosphere. And I'm thinking expectantly, I'm thinking, man, I hope I see my investment grow. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it does. But, but the point is when we give to God, it's not, it's not like that. It's not a crapshoot with God, right? It's not a gamble. God says, everything that you invest into my kingdom, I will bless, I will use for your good, for God's glory. So when it comes to my offering every month, when it comes to the vision offering every year, I get excited about it because I wanna give with enthusiasm. I know what God has done over the last 11 and a half years here at FC. I know he's not done. And I know God's gonna continue to give and use and bless in amazing ways. So I give with enthusiasm. And then the third thing, letter C, is we give prayerfully and we give thoughtfully. So verse seven says, as he has decided in his heart. So I'm not giving out of guilt. Um, I'm actually giving from a prayerful and thoughtful mentality. So what do we do? Well, we pray and we ask God, we say, God, how much do you think I should give? How, how should I be giving? 
Some of you maybe aren't percentage givers, and I believe the Bible teaches that. And so you might say, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna start giving 10%. We're gonna be percentage givers as we pray and as we seek what God would have us to give. Some already do that. And, and, and you're thinking, okay, how can, I, how can we bless uh, God's church more? And we might give more. So we pray about it. We ask God. And then secondly, we think about it. You might wanna go to the bank account and see how much is in there, right? Some of you are gonna look at that and you're gonna think, there ain't much in there, <laughs> And that's okay because God's not after an amount. The church isn't after an amount. God is after your heart. And, and so it's not about an amount and it's about your heart. Some of you are gonna look and you're gonna see a lot in there. And then you thoughtfully think, okay, this is what we wanna give. And, and as we prayerfully think about it and as we think about it practically, we decide and we give. And, and we give prayerfully and we give thoughtfully. But then letter D and finally, we give expectantly. We give expecting God to meet all of our needs. Like God's gonna meet all of our needs. That's the promise. In verse eight, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every or all your good work. So five times, four times he uses the word all, really five times because he says every or all good work. So what this means is as I give out of a, generous and cheerful heart. I'm enthusiastic about it. God is saying, I am going to make all of your needs met. I'm gonna meet everything, all sufficiency here. All my grace is gonna abound, all sufficiency in all things at all times. I'm going to abound in your life for every good work. That's the promise. So we can step into that and we can say, you know what? I'm not gonna give out of guilt. I'm gonna give expecting God to meet my needs. I'm gonna give expecting God to use this for all sufficiency and all his good and in all ways. Like, like God's gonna bless and use this in incredible, incredible ways. And so I expect God to use it and to bless it. So how do we leave a legacy? We live a life filled with ministry. We live a life filled with sharing the gospel. And we live a life filled with generosity. And so you and I have to decide we have to decide how we're gonna live our life. And there are really just three ways you can live your life. You can waste your life, you can spend your life, or you can invest your life. You can waste your life on all kinds of things in life, can't you? Waste it on entertainment, waste it on all kinds of hobbies. You can waste your life pretty easily. You can spend your life. You can spend your life building your nest egg. You can spend your life building you know, your portfolio or your wealth, but it's not gonna last. It's like that sandcastle every day, you know, the tide is just gonna wash it away, it won't last. Or you could invest your life. And I think the way for us to live our life as followers of Jesus is in light of the idea and concept of leaving a lasting legacy. And so we invest into the things that will outlast us. And what will outlast us? God's kingdom and God's people. So anytime I'm investing in God's kingdom and in God's people, it is everlasting. Well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I'm after. That's what I want. I'm not perfect at it. I mess up consistently. But this year, as every year, uh, for so many years now, we give an offering on the second Sunday of December. It's called the Vision Offering. And it's next Sunday. And it's a one-time gift 
and it's a commitment to give over and above. So there's two things really that we're gonna be asking. There's gonna be an envelope here next week. There's also gonna be a digital envelope that you guys can fill out online. And um, it's essentially gonna ask you to make a one-time gift. This is the one-time gift that I'm giving today. And so we're gonna give this amount. But then the other blank is, okay, what, what are you planning to give towards the vision over the next year? And that's essentially what we're, what we're asking. And that's what we've been praying for. And um, I don't want you to stress out about this. Like, this isn't something that we stress out about. This is something that we get excited about. This is like one of those moments. It's almost like when we share the gospel with somebody, we get excited and we're expectant and we're unsure. And we're like, I'm gonna try, I'm gonna. And then you just feel alive. That's, that's what giving is like. We don't stress about it. It's encouraging, it's exciting. I pray that you'll be here next Sunday because we've got some great stories that we're gonna share. We're gonna, we're gonna dive into some of those stories that I think God's gonna bless you with. It's an exciting time. I think it's a timely um, uh, opportunity for us to actually renovate next door because, hey, quarantine has been happening for so long now. And I think there's a lot of COVID babies that are gonna hit the market here in the spring and uh, in the fall. So I think we gotta get this puppy ready. This isn't for staff salaries. This is for renovations, a new location, and for creating ministries. Um, I pray that you and I would be able to slow down and be able to see God's vision for our life to make it count. And at the same time, as a church, we're not about to slow down our ministries. We're just getting started. Because the moment that we're in and every single one of us are in a different moment. But that moment that we are in can't stop the mission that we're on. And so my prayer is that we would give more than we've ever given next Sunday. And the community would know that COVID isn't stopping this church. COVID isn't gonna stop God's church from moving forward. And whatever door he opens, Foothills Church is gonna be ready and willing to walk through it. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we're grateful for your love and for your truth. We ask, Father, that, that we would indeed prayerfully and thoughtfully make a decision to give and that, God, you would bless our church and bless our ministries beyond belief. God, we want to make our life count. We want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Bring us out of this inward focus that we might find ourselves in today. Help us to take you at your word, to trust in that word, and to not be reluctant, but to be joyful and enthusiastic about it. Father, we love you and we praise you today. We wanna worship you. So we come into this Christmas season, God, we, we, we want to experience your power and your blessing. We want to know you. And so as we sing and worship today, as we close out our time together, God, speak, fill our hearts with love and direction. And we praise you and we thank you because we trust that you're going to. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Foothills Church. If you made a decision to follow Christ while listening today, or if you have some more questions about what that looks like, then let us know. 
You can text FC Decision to 97000 or you can head over to foothillschurch.com slash decision. We hope you have a great week.